Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Fake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So before we jump into the meeting with Brian, I wanted to kind of go through what's happened this week in the world of Office 365 development. I uh, figured I'd start off with saying that, you know, shedding a little tear, that there's only a total of 48 votes for the, uh, the question on the Office 365 technical network, again the links in the, uh, the show notes, on what podcast you would like to hear. Um, workflow is still in the lead with 30, oh, sorry, 29%, uh, with uh, a new winner there in the SharePoint API debate, REST versus CSOM API, um, followed closely by using AngularJS in Office Dev and fiddly debugging tips for Office 365 Dev. Uh, so please go on there and vote, or if you feel like there's another topic you'd like, please add it in the comments. Uh, it would be great uh, if we could get a bit more drive there. The, the show we're scheduling will be in about two weeks' time, so um, please get on there and vote. If you're not happy with workflow out, being out in the lead, um, get on there and vote for the other, other topics. The second bit of news is this week on the Office blog, we actually announced the Microsoft Unified Technology event for Enterprise. Uh, as you can read in here, it's going to actually be replacing uh, the TechEd conferences, the SharePoint conference link exchange, and project conferences that have been raised, and, and really be focused on talking to the business, and, and it's not just kind of from an IT pro and a business value prop, but also from a developer perspective as well. Naturally, though, um, one conference that has survived this unified approach is the new the Build Conference, which has been running for a while. Now, Office has always had presence there, but expect to see a lot more kind of stitching together of the messaging in a unified way for developers at the Build Conference as well. But this new unified conference is going to be on May 4th in 2015 in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and it's going to be a really cool event where we talk about Microsoft All Up story. Um, across all of the products and um, I'm actually in um, Atlanta this week where we're at MGX which is an internal event where you know you can really see this unified messaging I sat in a, a marketing and operations meeting this morning keynote and we had marketing representation from the Windows division uh, with the operating server group had it from the Office 365 division um, and, and in various other divisions around the company so it was really exciting to see the fact that these guys are actually coming together as one, not from a marketing, but also from an engineering perspective as well. So, you know, we're aligning internally and we want to message that with a conference to match that same. Now I know socially there's been a lot of, oh my God, what's happened to the SharePoint conference and maybe we just thought it was gonna be called the Office 365 conference. But um, I hope your trust that we, you know, the decisions we made are for good reasons and I'm I'm looking forward to how, how we, we evangelize all of our Office 365 developer stuff for for our team personally, but Office 365 all up as well. And then from the blogosphere, uh, Tim Farrow actually took an initiative there with the SP Security Event Receiver, thinking that there was a little bit of missing content when it came to the MSDN pages, and um, went ahead and actually documented in detail all of the available APIs uh, for things like when you're adding a group or um, deleting a group. Um, and role definition. So specifically around kind of when you're in the security pages of an individual team site. We have some code samples there and some great screenshots. So uh, hats off there for um, Tim taking that initiative. And um, it is something that I've highlighted um, up to the 
uh, content publishing team as well as an example of you know, how we can use the community content and, and, and celebrate that in our own content posted on MSDN. And then lastly this week, Chris O'Brien, who again is just one of those guys that's always writing great content and is very active in the Office 365 development community, uh, specifically working with SharePoint Online a lot. Um, and he's written a little bit of a gotcha around uh, when you're firing remote event receivers um, and not having that context token uh, or the client context. So he shows some reasons of why this happens and talks about the workarounds and the steps you have to do in Visual Studio to get those event receivers to fire properly and actually have that context. Um, so it's definitely a great kind of walkthrough and it's something I've come across in the past as well. So again, um, hats off to Chris O'Brien, um, who's actually a, a SharePoint MVP as well. So with that, um, I've been really excited about this uh, episode ever since I recorded it last week. Uh, we were in the Microsoft Virtual Academy Studios. Uh, so some news there, we actually have our first new course that will be available on demand um, on August 8th. Uh, there will be a live Q&A when that gets launched on, on the MicrosoftVirtualAcademy.com site to over 2.5 million registered users. Um, so we're really excited to see the kind of the... Uh, a download rates of those on-demand courses with the, the hands-on labs and all the demo code um, which will also be published too so it'll be really exciting to get all that done and and get that feedback on what people think of the the initial course one which is really a level 200 introduction but then we'll have some amazing level 200 level 300 courses uh, sorry 300 and 400 level courses that will be available um, in uh, mid-September as well which will cover apps for office apps for SharePoint and the Office 365 APIs. And um, we'll have more information on blogs.office.com uh, once we get closer to that ship date as well of, of August. So um, without further ado, um, please enjoy this episode. Hopefully I'd love to hear some feedback on the Yammer Network in the O365 podcast, dev podcast group. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you guys love the fact that we can get uh, the voice of the engineering teams that are actually writing this stuff um, and hear their side of the story. Um, and if you have any questions for any engineers about particular topics, please put those in the Yammer group and um, I'll definitely make sure we get them on the show and ask. So I'm here with Brian Jones today. Um, we've just come out of a recording studio filming two new modules for the first uh, Microsoft Virtual Academy course. Uh, we tackled the all-up level 200 overview of how awesome Office 365 development is and then a more of a deep dive overview of the Office 365 APIs. So um, Brian's probably sick of me after three hours in the studio, but I've managed to corner him to get him in to do this pod show. So uh, thanks very much for bearing with me again for another half an hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here and talk through all of this stuff. He's gritting his teeth as he says I'm yes. excited to be here. He does really mean it. No, I do. Um, not so quite, not quite the big production stage that we had for the recording. Oh yeah, I don't feel like there's so many glare, people glaring at me. Do and you at least have cameras. intro music that goes before we? Absolutely, good hard rock music okay, to kind awesome. of spin in. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, so people, I, I'm assuming a lot of people listening to the show know who Brian Jones is, but for people on the show, who who is Brian Jones and what does that mean to an Office 365 developer? Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, right now my role is I'm the group program manager for the Office Developer Platform team, uh, and so we're a team. In Office, we focus on the extensibility model for Office 365, SharePoint, Office, uh, and it's the past, present, and future. So everything like full trust code in SharePoint, uh, the sandbox, uh, VBA and COM and the clients, uh, to the new stuff like apps for Office, apps for SharePoint, the, the O365 APIs. 
Um, and I've been, in, I've been in office for about 15 years, focusing on primarily developer technology and extensibility on the platform. I started in the Word team, uh, worked on things like VBA and file formats. I spent a lot of time uh, on the open XML formats, getting that, that, uh, that new file format across Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, uh, and taking that through to standardization uh, at ISO. Uh, and so I've really, my whole career has been all about how do we make Office more interoperable and let people go and build awesome solutions uh, with the product. Yeah, and, and what is that, that is a bit of an understatement. Like, um, I, we walk in Brian's office, and I wonder what all these Borg cubes were surrounding <laughs> your office. And it wasn't until I left, and CJ, who's my lead, explained to me, oh, those things are patents. This is stuff that is, you know, Brian's worked on that is very unique and Microsoft submitted. So, I mean, what's one of your most proud patents that you've had um, that you've worked on as an engineer? Um, you know, like it's probably just the more recent stuff. I was pretty excited with uh, some of the stuff that we did for Apps for Office around uh, coming up with a model for uh, getting uh, web content and extensions to show up in line in content uh, with rich client applications. So um, for folks who have ever worked on uh, things like word processors and stuff, you'll know that like things like the page layout engine and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to get foreign content to show up. And we've tried it before with things like Olay and whatnot. So uh, there was some stuff that we did there that we were pretty excited about to make it so that you could really go and augment uh, PowerPoint and Excel content just with stuff from the web uh, and start dropping in things like YouTube videos and Bing Maps and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're going to have to slow down a bit because he has them stacked on his windowsill and, you know, at some point you're going to end up where it's going to be blacking out your window, so... Well, I, I don't, like, I. it seems like uh, folks on the team kind of leave me out of them nowadays, so I don't I don't get... Oh, really? People that. are fighting for them now? Well, I think it's that, and it's also, like, now it's more like uh, maybe I, I suggest the idea, but it's other folks that really kind of go and make the thing happen, so... Yeah. They get all the glory. I'm, I, I get, I'm kind of... Sometimes I'm a little more removed from some of that, unfortunately. Yeah, as you get more into the, the management side. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of, I just get in the way now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so there was one exciting one recently. Well, you seem very excited and passionate about it. Was the um, open sourcing of the OpenXML SDK? Yeah. Um, so what what was that about? What was that directive? Yeah, that was that was fun, just because it's kind of been. Uh, it was my my baby from years and years ago. Um, the OpenXML file formats, uh, which was a it was a a long, long process going from some of the initial things that we did in Excel and Word around playing around with XML as a file format to actually getting XML to be the default format, uh, then getting that standardized at ECMA and then taking that to ISO and getting it standardized there. Um, and so uh, I've always loved the ideas around uh, these open interoperable document formats because it really means that uh, you can start to think of Word and Excel and PowerPoint just as uh, pieces of the experience for a larger solution as opposed to really the host for the whole solution. And so you can have document assembly scenarios, workflow scenarios, all sorts of things where people are building solutions and at some point you may want Word or Excel to be involved. And so the fact that you can go and from within your solution go and craft a Word document that you send down to the user or consume some information they've gone and created uh, and the SDK was something that we created just to make it easier to deal with uh, the zip packaging in XML. And it was really for folks that were .NET developers and really like to deal with things more like uh, strongly typed objects as opposed to having to go and uh, parse XML and write uh, XPath queries. And so we did that a few years ago. Um, 
and we talked about open sourcing it for for some time and um, when I reflect back on it I don't know why we why we took so long to get around to it uh, but just recently we went and put it up on GitHub uh, we've seen a lot of traffic for it there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of interest in OpenXML there's a lot of people that do really some powerful solutions around document assembly on the server where they don't want to have to run Word or Excel they just want to be able to go and shove information in the document or pull some information out yeah and it, I'm an admin on that GitHub uh, organizational account and you know, I get quite a few emails, and they, a lot of it's coming from that OpenX, uh, OpenXML uh, yeah. repo. And it's amazing, like, the different things that they're suggesting. And the one that kind of hangs on me right now is, uh, you know, we've been asking this from engineering for a while, and I've written it, we had to do it anyway. You know, we reflected the code before, and, and they've submitted the changes through. So already there's been an improvement in there from the community. Yeah, um, there's some great ones. There's yeah. someone who went and updated it so it worked against mono. That's right, right yeah. That was great, yeah. Yeah. And so I guess some of the cynicism around it was, oh, they've open sourced it because they're just they're killing it. They're not focusing it. But that's, can you, you know, what is the case for that? What's the, the future there with this? Yeah, no, I mean, the OpenXML, the, the file formats will continue to be a, a really key way that you go and interact with Office. And in fact, one, even the new model that we have with the apps for Office, um, a lot of the apps that we're seeing in Word that let you go and do... Um, kind of document assembly scenarios where you have a little task pane that lets you drag and drop content into the Word document that's coming from some back-end web service, like even the Wikipedia app where you can go and look up information in Wikipedia and then go and have that information inserted into your document. That all uses OpenXML as the way of going and pushing that information into the Word document. Um, there are times where people will want to have uh, a higher level of uh, semantic awareness than just the XML file formats. Excel is a great example of that where um, if you wanted to go and add a row of information to a table, if there's a bunch of formulas in there, then you need you actually need to have the awareness of those formulas too because you may need to do a recalc, the range references may need to change. So there's times that um, we'll probably see people going and programming against our stuff using uh, our web services instead, like Excel web services. Um, but there are a lot of scenarios where you want to do like bulk document generation. You want something that's just super, super fast and performant. Uh, and there's nothing faster for doc assembly and doc uh, parsing and interrogation than just going straight against the file format. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes and um, where the community drives that in terms of the requirements there. And, um, you know, we're definitely looking to add more samples to so that GitHub code samples repositories, like showing that in use. And the Wikipedia one is definitely a good example of that, yeah. which. I'll add in the show notes so that people can go and have a look at how that's using that SDK. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the open, uh, open sourcing of that. I guess the other big thing that you've uh, been working on for the last year, years, I guess, is the new app model um, and more recently the Office 365 APIs. So, um, you know, being completely open, the app models, uh, you know, has been around now since the we announced it at the US SPC 2013 launch, right? Um, so it might have been 2012 when SPC was that we announced. Right, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so that was when it was publicly available. People stopped playing yeah. with. Uh, what was the what was the main intentions of the app model there? What was the drive to move away from full trust code and sandbox solutions to this new app model? Yeah, if you watch the evolution, it, it kind of makes sense. Where uh, at the beginning, SharePoint was just was this thing that was kind of virally acquired, and people would go and throw it on just a box in somebody's office and. That's how it'd go and get into the enterprise, uh, really similar to kind of how Office started in many ways, right? Uh, and in that world where the person who's kind of managing the solution owns the box, like 
it totally makes sense to say if you want to go and customize this thing, just go and drop some managed assemblies on the box, you own the box, and do what you want. Um, but then as it grows up and it starts to really get adopted and you get central IT more involved and you get folks managing the SharePoint installations, uh, those folks aren't just going to let anybody go and drop a solution onto that box, right? And that was the motivation behind doing uh, the Sandbox, where we'd say, hey, you can let's we still want people to go and build solutions and customize SharePoint. So... Uh, we went and did that. Um, the, the, just looking at the industry and the things that we were seeing after, kind of while we were working on Sandbox even, um, you had things like uh, Facebook in the cloud. There were just a lot of examples where people were going to this uh, much more loosely coupled architecture um, because of all the benefits. Like the, thing, the challenge with the Sandbox was we would just constantly get requests for people to, for us to add new capabilities like the ability to go and create a SQL DB, uh, you know, all the every, basically any Scott Goo keynote that you go and see, you're like, oh, I want all that stuff. Yeah, That's right. awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, SharePoint team, please go and add all that stuff to <laughs> Sandbox. And it was kind of weird for us to go and like, we're we're Office, right? And so for us to kind of tr- continue to try and play this catch up game with the platform guys who are just rapidly innovating, yeah, that was tough. And so we realized, you know, we really need to go and shift here, where we say. Hey, the platform guys—they're—they're they're the ones that are doing all of the innovation. Let's go and make have a model where you can just go and run anywhere you want. You can take advantage of any of those new technologies that you want, uh, and you can go and rev that stuff. You can go and update those boxes. You can go and add new services, and that's completely decoupled from the pace at which you go and update SharePoint. And so you could have SharePoint sitting on one box, and then you have your code running on another box, and those two things can even probably be managed by different admins is what you'll see. Uh, and that's definitely the case as you move to the cloud, where clearly SharePoint's managed by us, Microsoft, uh, and your solution may run in Azure. That's where we think it's actually the best experience, but it could also run in AWS. It could run anywhere you want. Yeah, yeah. I always laugh with the guys. You know, we, we go to a tech ed or um, a build conference, and yeah, the goo comes up a lot. You know, he, he, I remember, you know, the Lambda expressions, I think they were introduced in .NET 3 or 3.5, right? And there's us poor guys running on .NET 2 yeah. and SharePoint 2007 going. Like, how come I can't be yeah, part right. of the cool crew, right? And then by the time SharePoint finally supported the .NET framework where Lambda expressions was done, our minds were completely blown. But our mates, we went down to the pub and had a drink and they're talking about, oh, Lambda, you're struggling with Lambda expressions. We learned that two years ago. Yeah. So now, finally... As a SharePoint developer or an, even an Office developer with like kind of the VBA, VSTO stuff. Yeah, Office was the same way. We're up to speed, way. right? Yeah, in fact, as Office, we had this like really painful pro- progression where um, you have VBA and COM add-ins. And VBA was just groundbreaking when it came out, right? The idea that you could have a non-developer go and record a macro and somehow slowly fall into crafting an app, right? Yeah, That yeah. was just amazing. Um, but it hadn't evolved in quite a long time. So... Uh, you know, you don't, you go to like PDC or build now, right? And you're seeing all this I've talked about, and then you go back and you hit Alt F11 from it with an Excel, and you're like, hey, where's all that stuff? <laughs> uh, and same with Com Add ins. Like, we did a bunch of work with the Visual Studio team around, um, like, we had a Com API, right? And so even if you wanted to go and build managed solutions, uh, even that was kind of, you had to have this interrupt layer over the top. And so both on the Office side and on the SharePoint side, we just did a bunch of work to say, look, we don't want to be the runtime for the code, right? We yeah. don't want to host your code. We want to go and focus on the things that we're great at, which is the end user experiences and the data and the documents. 
And so we want to go and create a bunch of rich APIs. And APIs are the focus, not languages. We want to f create rich APIs and then let people use whatever languages they want, run in any runtimes that they want, and then they can just go and interact with our with our clients and our services. Yeah, and I think a lot of the questions that we get on our Yammer network, the Office 365 technical network, and via Stack is like, well, you know, is engineering gonna change its mind again? You know, we've already had Sandbox attempt, and now we're on the app model. Um, you know, like, what can you add to that around that kind of the futures? Like, what's the, the direction here? Is this the one? Is this, this model of decoupling gonna be it for us? Yeah, this is the one. Now, that being said, um, we're going to continue to innovate on it. We're going to add new capabilities. Um, some of the stuff that we've done around O365 APIs that we announced at SharePoint Conference have a, a much better model around auth and consent. Right. Uh, something that goes cross-platform, cross not just SharePoint, but SharePoint and Exchange and all the things in Office 365. So we're going to continue to move the thing forward and add new features. And, so, and, we, and we want everybody to stay with us and keep up to date on the new things that we go and add, the new capabilities that we yeah. go and add. Um, but, you know, again, back to that, we want to say, hey, there's there are the APIs and the model, and those are things that this is the, the new direction. Everything that we're talking about doing going forward is just another step forward. It's based on that foundation of yeah. the app model, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's good to hear from, from engineering, right? So they don't have to believe me when I'm doing the moxie stuff. That's right. It's like, you've just heard Brian from engineering say, guys, this, yes. is, this is good. Every every spec that I review is uh, is <laughs> in that direction. It's so. And we'll have people playing back the podcast that said, Brian said this on... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, you, you, we talked about the app model. Uh, and obviously, the app model is running right now with um, ACS, so Azure C Control Services, uh, in terms of how it does the auth. And the new APIs, which again is that thing that bridges not just SharePoint or individually bridging Exchange, but it's, you know, you auth once, you, you use a consent or your admin consents, and you can talk to all those individual services. Um, that's using Azure AD. And um, I think it's it's hats off to you guys in the sense that rather than rolling your own app registration place, you've gone and spoken to the Azure AD team and integrated into what they already had in terms of app registration. So um, tell us a little bit about that. What was the kind of the process there, the thinking of, of, of leveraging that as part of the... Yeah, there were a couple of things that, that we had looked at there. One, clearly, again, back to that idea of uh, the innovations that are coming out of, out of uh, Guthrie's org, for instance, right? And, the stuff that the Azure guys are doing. Um, we wanted our developers to be able to go and take advantage of that, right? We wanted them to feel like um, the technologies that are built into Visual Studio, uh, the blogs that folks are writing, all of that stuff applies to them. Uh, we don't want pe people to feel like uh, they're having to make some deep career bet on SharePoint and that that's the platform that they're learning. We want, them, we want people to go and use the languages that that they're most interested in. If they're client devs, we want them to go and take advantage of client technologies, right? If they're server devs, take advantage of the different server technologies. Um, and so back to that idea of being more loosely coupled and also just the whole premise of, of one Microsoft, the Azure AD guys have done some absolutely outstanding stuff around app registration, um, managing scopes of apps. Um, and as we started to look at having a consistent set of APIs across SharePoint and Exchange, uh, even starting to look at like OneNote, like th there's a bunch of services that we have that we wanna go and build APIs around. And um, we realized, hey, we need to go and have 
one common model for how you go and request access to that data and how the user grants you consent. Um, and as you said, that makes no sense for us to go and spin up and create our own flow for that and our own way of managing the life cycle of those apps. Uh, in fact, some of those apps may already exist as Azure apps. Right, it's just right. later on that the developer decides that they want to go and connect to some of our yeah, services, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so saying, hey, this is this is the way, this is the bet for the company. The company, the way you go and register these apps is in Azure AD. Uh, and so we're going to go have a presence there and we're going to allow you to go and uh, if you have your app registered there, you can ask for O365 scopes and you can start to connect to our services. Yeah, and what's really cool is that the Visual Studio team has done such a great job of having the experience of connecting to those services via that wizard and adding it to your code. So if you had an existing web application or maybe a Windows 8 app or even Cordova or whatever uh, that wasn't even using the services, it's very easy to again snap in and maybe start using OneDrive for business rather than like rolling your own document management and storing it in, in SQL or something, for instance. Yeah, we've really, like, we've, we've always, there's this world, there's a set of solutions that are just about extending Office, right? They're extending SharePoint, adding some new functionality to SharePoint, or they're adding some new uh, capability into Excel. Um, and the new models definitely apply to those too. Uh, and we're doing a bunch there, like with the apps for Office, you can go and extend with HTML and JavaScript. Um, but... There's also a lot of solutions that are bigger than just Office, right? That they span a whole bunch of different pieces. They're connecting to a bunch of different services. Um, you know, these big worker productivity solutions that people are building. Uh, and so what we've done, and with the, actually not us, the Visual Studio guys, have just done an outstanding job of going and saying, hey, any, any solution that you're working on, if, you're, if you've already built a Win8 app uh, that helps people go and deal with, like, uh, expense reports um, and you also realize that you want to have something that uh, goes and pushes uh, that actual event that you're expensing into the person's calendar or reads from their calendar to see what events they've participated in well just go and make a call to 0365 the 0365 APIs uh, people's ca that's where people's calendars are that's where their documents are their communications their contacts their notes uh, their spreadsheets everything right and so we want to just go and say, hey, any of those solutions, those apps you've already built, uh, because of Visual Studio, you can just go and right-click on the project, say, add a connected service, uh, and you're off and running. You've now gone and, and connected that app to O365. It's now registered in Azure AD. Yeah, I think uh, the neat thing as well is, as well as the Visual Studio story, we have the story for Android native developers with the SDK that's available. Um, and in the future, we'll have the iOS SDK as well. So if you're a native iOS you know, building for an iPad or an iPhone, um, you'll be able to consume those services via those things too. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's, it's all about, we focus on the APIs, right? We're saying, hey, what's the data? What are the services we want to go and give access to? And we want to be very agnostic and open to the, to the languages and the platforms that you go and use. And so we're going to continue to look at what are the platforms people are building on, what are the languages people want to, want to use, and we're going to go and build SDKs for all of those, yeah. uh, and and make it so that hey, if you're an iOS developer, you can go and connect to these to these APIs as well. And so uh, I think that's really exciting to see where that's all going. And as I say, there's a lot on GitHub in terms of samples. We're in the process of publishing an Angular JS one that does it, and a ASP.NET MVC four project that has that hook into the APIs. Um, I was just with Shax from the Visual Studio team. They've got an offsite uh, this week where they're building Cordova. Uh, and Xamarin samples based on plugging into those APIs as well. So it'd be great to get all that out there and just to show the power of calling into 
the calendar. And yeah, absolutely. Moves. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, this is all just built on web standards, right? The APIs we expose are all just RESTful APIs. We use OAuth for authentication. Um, and so at immediately, like as soon as we ship the thing, you can go and build apps on any platform that connect to them, right? But, of course, people want to go and... Uh, Use, to, use existing tools and languages. Maybe they don't want to just make the REST calls. And you see this in the industry where a lot of folks will go and have REST APIs, but then they go and build SDKs that are tailored on the different platforms. And so uh, we'll continue to go and do that. The Visual Studio team is just doing an awesome job. Uh, they're the ones that really have that connection to the developers and understand what are the things that can make developers' lives easier. How do I go and lower that barrier to entry? And they're doing some awesome stuff there. Yeah. And you know, they're called the Office 365 APIs, but is there any future for maybe the hybrid scenario where maybe SharePoint servers sitting on premises or in a, a private data center somewhere to be able to consume this stuff? Is that maybe the thinking there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the APIs themselves, like just the REST calls that you go and make, those things will also just work on-prem. You can go against that. Um, there's some things like around the discovery service, the idea that um, your app... Uh, may not know what the URL of the SharePoint site is for the user. Like if you build some app for the store that uh, a whole bunch of different users may go and get from different companies. And so you, unlike an internal app, you don't know what the URL of the SharePoint site is. We have, we have this idea of this discovery service. So a single URL you can go and call, uh, it passes the user's email, and we'll go and figure out what the URL is of, the, of their SharePoint site, for example. So there's things like that where we're relying on Azure AD to go and tell us where that is. But even there, we're going to go and do work to allow for this kind of hybrid mode where if, if the company has at least a presence in Azure AD, uh, they can go and create pointers back to their on-prem servers. And so we'll still be able to go and point back to that. That's, that stuff's a little bit further out, but we, we definitely recognize that a, a lot of our customers will continue to have some, pre some level of on-prem presence. There's gonna, it's going to be a hybrid world. And so we want to make sure that we've got a good story there for hybrid. Yeah, that's great. And I think that, that hit listeners hearing that there's obviously a lot of us are still in that SharePoint server world, but you know, the, the vision there is, you know, first in the service, because that's where we can practice and trial it first and get it right. And then to then push it out to our server products. Um, uh, as we do these major releases that we've, we've promised to customers that are actually still there on the server side. Yeah. Especially as we go and look at things like, like having this consistency across, all of O365. When you look on-prem, the person that manages Exchange is different than the person that manages SharePoint, right? And so the, the, the reason why we go and make these steps first in the cloud is that it's more, it, everything is the latest version, right? And so we're able to go and build these, this level of consistency that's a little bit harder when you get on-prem where you may have different versions of the products. Right, um, but that's still a thing that we, you know, like I was saying, we definitely want to go and tackle that as well. And uh, we've we've made some pretty good investments there around improving the app model for the on-prem experience, uh, and even for O365 APIs, we'll, we'll we'll look at having a great story there for on-prem too. So um, I've got a question from Twitter because uh, before this show, before I even asked you whether you do it, I was like, meeting up with engineering. Has anyone got any questions? <laughs> Um, so just to put you on your this, fallback if I say no. Yeah, that's right. I'd be like, there's always someone I can hunt down. Yeah. Um, people, people can't escape. There are a ton of engineers. Yeah, that's so. right. Um, so James uh, Callahan, who's based in the UK, um, he said, firstly, he would like to say thank you and that you guys rock. Ah, um, and, you, and he totally believes in, in this vision. 
Um, but what he said was, he's followed, follow up with that is, where am I as a developer uh, in a few years time? So, um, you know, I've come from this world of being a, a SharePoint developer for the last 10 years where I've been in full trust code and I've been using server side API. Um, what, where, where am I going to be in a few years? Like, what's that transition as an existing SharePoint dev? Also, for the office devs in the same kind of story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the key thing is, like, we there's just so much investment on top of SharePoint and Office today that the skill sets people have learned um, will continue to apply. Like, we're not going to go and uh, break existing solutions or things like that, clearly. Like, they're just there's just way too much value right now for all of our customers in those things. But the thing that we hope is that people can kind of not necessarily need to just identify as being a SharePoint developer or like an Excel developer. Uh, we'd love for folks to really think more about the scenarios that they care about, like what industries are they developing for? Um, are they a client developer? Are they a server developer? And we want really SharePoint and Office and Office 365 just to be more just part of the toolbox, right? Like maybe you're a PHP developer that goes and focuses on the healthcare industry and O365 is just a, it's a set of APIs that you know how to go in, and call into and leverage. Uh, it's a set of experiences that you know how to go and extend. Uh, but you don't need to go and say, I've made this career decision and I've put all of my eggs just in the SharePoint basket. Uh, because most a lot of the new developers that we're seeing, you know, they don't they don't want to take a bet on a specific platform. They want to be able to move around. Platforms change regularly, and people want to feel like they can stay up to date on the latest. And so we need to make it so that for folks that are doing that, that you know, SharePoint, Office, Office three sixty five is a valuable piece of their toolbox that they can go and use. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll more and more we'll see that. I think with the announcements around um, Salesforce and Microsoft and what they're committing to around using OneDrive for business and OneDrive um, for their, their, you know, a, a, an aspect of saving documents yeah. away. You know, that's the stuff they're going to be using. They're going to be consuming those APIs. And so yeah. I think that's the vision of, you know, these being being services as well as being that UI surface via the, the app model as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you start looking at things like the Office Graph and the stuff that we're going to do there where... Um, the APIs you'll be calling into from your solution, I don't think are just gonna all be O365 APIs. You're gonna be consuming data from from Salesforce. You're gonna be talking to like Concur if it's gotta do with travel information. Um, there's, there's just a whole set of web services that you're gonna go and use for the solutions that you go and build. Um, we're gonna make O365 a very pluggable uh, data service. And so we expect things like um, third-party data to start showing up in the Office Graph. So it may be that you leverage things like the Office Graph to go and navigate through the different types of data, um, but you're still, at the end of the day, going to want to be able to know how to program against those different data sources once you, once you get at them. Um, yeah. So we just want, again, we don't want to feel like we're off on some isolated uh, island where you, you have to make a bet and, that, and our technology is the only thing that you go and learn. Yeah, and so for fellow engineers listening, and obviously this is a personal interest of mine, you know, we've come from a world where we shipped every three years, right? And I say the war away because I've only been here a few months, so <laughs> I never experienced that way. And I, I would have been interested to see how that worked. Yeah. Um, but we've moved to this world now where my team, the marketing guys, are putting pressure on your team in engineering to tell us when, what, what can I put on the roadmap this month yeah. on office.com slash roadmap. Yeah. And, um, you know, Sonia from our team kind of owns that with that. 
uh, from that messaging working with you guys. But how has that changed your mindset and, and what have been the challenges there around that? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it was a, it's a very different model. Um, it, we would spend, you know, six to nine months just planning. Uh, go, after we'd ship, we'd go around and we'd meet with partners and customers. We'd have some hypotheses we want to go and validate. Um, the way that we validated them was just going and asking people, right? We didn't really get to go see how people were going to use the thing because we hadn't built it yet. Um, and so you would go and try and describe or kind of try and hint at the things you're thinking about doing and getting feedback on it. And then you'd pull together that two and a half year plan uh, and you'd start working on it. Uh, and during those two and a half years, uh, Facebook would show up or <laughs> the iPhone would show up uh, and you'd be like, oh, that's kind of an interesting new model that we in no way took into account when we came <laughs> up with our original plans. Um, and so then you try and scramble to see, okay, how can we go and, you know, based on all the things that we're seeing uh, that are different than two years ago when we came up with the plan, are there, can we, how can we get some additional features in here? And uh, it was a, uh, it was fun kind of in the way that like, uh, you know, one of the things I miss is like back in school when like you had summer vacation, like you have a break <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm done and I can breathe. I can breathe and, that was kind of neat that you would have like your big ship party and you're like, awesome, like two and a half years done, I can go and like go drink for a while or something. <laughs> uh, um, and now it's just a totally different world. It's, um, we're constantly reevaluating our backlog. Um, we're getting real-time data around how people are using stuff. We're able to trial things. We're able to go and do experiments and see like, hey, how do people actually really use this? And is this a good idea? Uh, and we're able to react to new trends in the industry that come up, right? And so it's really, as a program manager especially, it's really empowering because there is always this like level of um, doubt in the plan that you pull together because you knew how quickly our industry changed. Um, and so you were always worried like, hey, is this stuff that we're working on really going to seem that important to you? Yeah, or like, is it going to be like dead on arrival right. type stuff? Yeah. And I, I had plenty of features that I went and worked on where I was convinced it was going to be the cat's pajamas. And, uh, by the time we were ready to ship it, like, I, I didn't even want to pay attention to it. It was, <laughs> it was dead to you. Yeah, it was the like, next, next shiny object. Yeah, it, it, it had jumped the shark before anybody even saw it. Um, which, so it's, it's really cool, and especially for dev, like in a, for dev technologies. Now, the thing that's kind of, we also have to take into account, we can't just get too reckless uh, in terms of this like agile model is you know working on dev platform like when you go and release APIs you got to support those things right? right you can't you can't just go and do random experiments around APIs and say hey let's let's see what would happen if if when you make this call we do something different let's see how people react to that uh, which you can do in UI um, and so we're having we're still kind of finding out like the right model there we had for the 0365 APIs we released them as a preview so everybody had access to them uh, but they were documented and labeled as being preview APIs. Um, we're still trying to figure out what's the right model for how to build stuff and how to get feedback um, while still giving ourselves the ability to go and make changes based on that feedback. Uh, and then when we go and lock the thing down and say it's ready, you know, it really is. It's, it's locked and loaded and it's something that we can go and stand behind and commit to and tell developers, hey, this isn't going to change out from under you. Yeah. So more importantly, I'm sure everyone's like, ship party? What's a ship party? <laughs> what was your best ship party? Um, every ship party was pretty damn fun. Yeah. Uh, usually you don't remember like the last half of it. 
Um, <laughs> trying to remember, we used to do, we used to, like we have fountains in front of the building, so it used to be a thing where you people you pick everybody up and throw them into the fountain, <laughs> uh, and that was pretty fun. And that, I, they kind of stopped. I think people started getting hurt, and so they actually ended up starting like emptying the fountains out before the ship party. <laughs> um, the the uh, at one point, like the one note team had a smoke machine that they had in the hallways, and it starts setting off fire alarms, and that was that one was pretty fun. I guess the the one that I, I missed one, I guess somebody told me about one, like it was the one right before when I joined where somebody was riding their motorcycle around in the building in the hallways and like tearing up the carpet and stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Um I I for my my first ship party I was uh racing on one of those razor scooters in building seventeen and it was around the atrium, like the top part of the atrium. Yeah, yeah. I, I was coming around the corner, I lost my balance and I fell into the wall and actually went kind of went halfway through the wall and like huge hole in the wall. Um and I was really paranoid because Steven Sanofsky was like uh, just a little bit away from his office. Uh, and so I went in, uh, in my, I, I wasn't making the best decisions at that point. And I, <laughs> I decided that there, there was this big, huge poster uh, over like a hallway away. And so I went and got the big poster and I put it, covered it up. I covered over. Uh, but of course, if you walk into the person's office that where I did this, like their whiteboard was knocked off the wall and their desk, their desk was knocked over and there's this huge hole in their wall. So... <laughs> It didn't. I felt like I covered up the issue, but it, it didn't in any way. That's yeah. a pretty good story. Yeah. There you go. That was out, out in the wild. Yeah. I heard one yesterday. Someone else was talking about it. Where um, I think it was the Windows team, and they flew them all down to Vegas for five days. Oh yeah. They just partied for five days. I was like, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah no, we we haven't done that. It's usually just one big raucous afternoon, and then uh, <laughs> and then you you get your spouse to come and pick you up and <laughs> <laughs> and carry you home. Yeah. Well, um, well, that was good to end on that fun note. So I, I really appreciate your time again. I know we've just sat in the studio staring at three um, cameras for however long. No, that was a blast. But um, I appreciate your openness in the podcast and sharing your own personal thoughts and experiences in being part of this team. And we'll definitely get you on the show as and when we kind of get to these bigger launch events on the roadmap and obviously um, your direct leads as well, like Rob Howard and Mauricio and Rolando as well, who... Yeah, you yeah. definitely need to get those guys. Yeah, on the those show. guys are doing some really cool stuff right yeah. now. So I know Rob actually was just on um, CJ, CJ's uh, Microsoft Cloud Show podcast. Ah, oh, cool. So he talked about the stuff on there. So I figured I couldn't go after Rob straight away, and I'll go to you yeah. first, and then I'll round Robin around the rest of your team. You get Doreen too, our uh, community and yeah, open source right. champion. Yeah, right? so Doreen, we've been working with very closely with the user voice kind of engagement there and the community stuff she does. Yeah. So um, it'd be great to get Doreen on the show too. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. thanks again. And, um, you know, uh, please engage with us on the Yammer Network if you've got questions. And, um, you know, they are listening, as Brian said, on the User Voice Network as well. And all those links are in the show notes available on blogs.office.com. Um, good news is by the time this show is published, dev.office.com, fingers crossed, should be live um, as the new image of um, uh, Office 365 development going forward. So please go and check that out. And, um, Yeah, we look forward to um, uh, more shows in the future from engineering, which is great. So thanks again. Thank you, and thanks everybody for building on the platform. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group, 
and the Office 365 technical network. Have a great week guys and keep coding on Office 365.